chat. This is episode eight. We are diving into the Blue Parakeet chapters 15 and 16, 17, 15, 16. Yes. It's 15, 16. And uh, I really, really enjoyed both of these chapters for once. The past several, I have not enjoyed at all, but I really enjoyed these two. <laughs> yeah, so these two chapters continued on the... Um the women in the women in ministry talking about and, and they specifically looked at women's roles in the Old and New Testaments, um, and he really he continued talking about what he what we talked a little bit about last week in chapter fourteen the WDWD what did women do and that was the whole point of these two chapters was what were women doing in the Old and New Testament and how was God using them so. Um, What'd y'all, what'd y'all get out of what really stood out to you in these two chapters? Let's start in the Old Testament. The first thing that that stood out to me was um, right there at the beginning of chapter 15. It's on page 213. He said He's talking about um, this passage from 1 Timothy. And he says, talking about you know women being silent in the church um, is like asking about marriage in the Bible and gravitating towards the divorce text. Yeah, that's that's good. That's pretty. That's an interesting take, you know. And and the the kind of big picture here is all about oneness and and unity in God's story. And so then it throws into, you know, Paul throws this in here, and it's like, well, this leads to division. Like there's not oneness, and so he begins Mm -hmm. to unpack it a little bit. But but I did like that. Like you instantly go to to the negative side and be like, wait, 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 let's unpack this a little more. Yeah. I wrote next to that sentence because I had highlighted to context. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 As far as the women being silent. Yeah. My so my favorite thing I think in these two chapters, and I think we've talked about it in a couple of the other chapters too, but it was on page two sixteen, um, and he said, "Sadly, the church has far too often perpetuated what is described in Genesis three sixteen as a permanent condition designed by God until the new creation." Um, and what he's saying is that women should be submissive to men. Mm-hmm. Um, like that was, we've always used that as a prescription. That's what. That's how it's supposed to be. Um, like that's how it's going to be. But when you say no, this was a condition of the fall, you realize that that wasn't how it was. How we were created to be. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't how um, how it was intended. And so we can't say. Well, I think it's 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 not looking. Uh, it's not looking at christianity correctly if we say well what happened at the fall is just how it's got to be so i love i yeah. put that why do we do this that struck yeah. me whenever me too. the way he put it out i was mm-hmm. like wow that's really amazing because we just assume that role right yes you know like mm-hmm. we we read it for for face value and just assume okay it's got to be this way it's got to be this way but yeah. that wasn't the intent the intent is to work forward right. and out of that back to the oneness that really struck me I yeah like yeah well it, you know it, it makes me think of why, why i was thinking why do we do that like why do we say like if we know that the goal of christianity is to always be moving forward be grace-filled and look like god then why do we say okay well what happened at the fall is just how it has to be okay yeah. and he talked a little bit about the same thing when, on the chapter on slavery was it was a perpetuation of the fall. It wasn't a it wasn't how it was intended to be. But yeah, who else? 
Pastor Steve, what you got? What'd you enjoy in this Old Testament <laughs> chapter? They're just giving me a hard time because I didn't get a chance to read it. So. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, That's why it's quiet. I'm going to let them take the ball on this one. <laughs> well, with that, I will say on 217, I liked where it said, if there's any place in the world where there should... Uh, where this mutuality should be restored, it should be in the church, mm-hmm. and it can be the most least res- redemptive place of the week. And I thought, ouch, yeah, yeah, that's good. I loved the uh, the stories. He gives three stories of women, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, and actually, I was kind of shocked at out of the six at the amount of them. I was like, I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't remember. Who that is? It's just so sad. I know. Because and they're in the Old Testament, especially. You know, in the New Testament, you can kind of say, "Well, the text was changed. We don't read it the same." But uh-huh. in the Old Testament, oh, we're gonna talk a lot about that. When we okay, get there. yeah. It's blatant. Like, right. It's just yeah. I thought like with bell, Miriam, like, I just thought, oh, that's I, Moses. I you know, sister. Ever so. paid any attention to that? And it's just right there. Mm-hmm. Why is there no emphasis on this? Yeah, I mean to think of that that very first the very first one, Miriam. Uh, the sister of Moses, that she was not just a prophetess, but like the lead prophet yes. in mm-hmm. that in that time. Like she was on the same leadership level as Aaron and Moses, and like I didn't even recognize her name. <laughs> and you know, he talks about just talk to Miriam. Like he talks like Miriam is kind of a is a little bit of a tragic figure in the story because. Like she has this fault, mm-hmm. like, and th- so the only thing you really see about her is this fault. And I was thinking, well, how many people would take that story? Okay, well, she was, you know, she was put in this position and she kind of did something wrong, and say, oh, well, that means that women shouldn't be in those mm-hmm. roles. Then, then well, you should throw David. That's out. exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, that's where exactly. I, that's where I, exactly <laughs> where I was going. And I'm like, well, then we should take every man in the entire Bible except for Jesus and say, well, then men shouldn't hold any of these roles. Well, and I started yeah. where he said it was because she didn't she envy. Her. Yeah, right. Her, her sin was envy, not being a woman. Yeah. Right. Well, that was yeah. good, too. Yeah. Yeah, and I loved how he ended it with her. Uh, he, he, he ended each of these three stories with how they may be the blue parakeet which how, how how they may be the people we overlook or, or the, the stories we overlook in the in the Bible or make us uncomfortable. He said, Miriam was a blue, a, a blue parakeet who was permitted to sing because God had given her his voice. She was given, yeah, mm-hmm. she was given the voice of God. He ended all the stories with that. So well, and that get... singing was connected to the gift of prophecy in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That was neat. I didn't yeah. either. That was something new. So, so you've got all this all throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. What happened? Why, why are there organized denominations today that are so adamant? Well, against it. That's that's what. Well, so well, right. Paul said it. Well, I, sorry. Well, hey, no, 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 no. Yeah, that, that's where they well, go. Well, he will to. throw out the Old yeah. Testament, right? And yeah. just. And well, even and when he gets into the New Testament, I, I don't want to skip ahead to a little too far, but when he's talking about, um, let me be reminded of her name. Um, yeah, Julia. Or, yeah, or Junia. 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 Yeah. And so, in the original, in the original translations that we look at in the Book of Romans, her name was actually changed to Junius, a male's name. And it wasn't until just a few years ago when the researchers went back and looked and realized that this is a this was a woman that that 
was not only so in the RSV, which is um, kind of one of the oldest versions uh, after the King James, um, the RSV of, of 1946 has Adronicus and Junius and adds men of note among the apostles. But now we know that Junia, that was changed to Junius, is a woman, and it just says they were apostles of, um, outst- they were outstanding or prominent apostles. It, it takes that, the word men out. And so, literally, and this is, this is a little scary once you, when, when you really, when you think about mm-hmm. it, but literally, it was changed, that her name was changed to say these were two men. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until just very recently that we realized that it was it was a man and a woman that they were talking about. And in this other book that I'm reading, the mm-hmm. uh, biblical womanhood, making of biblical womanhood, um, there's multiple yeah. cases. I mean, it's, this is not oh, an wow. isolated mm-hmm. event. There's multiple cases where the story has been changed yeah. to basically benefit men and the patriarchal society. Yeah. And so it it goes back to what is the Bible like? It goes back to that question like if if we read it literally, well, number one, we aren't reading the the actual text that was written. Like we we are in reading an, yeah, yeah, we're reading an interpretation of it, and so to take it literally is foolish um, because we can't read the ancient text. I <laughs> uh, this is going deep, but I I said. Um, I saw some tweet the other day, uh, we sh- and it said we should take Matthew seriously, and then it had a picture of the of the scroll that Matthew's kind of written on, and it's this old tattered sheet of paper that has holes in it, like there's chunks missing, and take the Matthew seriously, exactly how it was written. Well, we can't even tell you exactly what was written because the original parchment is th- thousands of years old, and yeah, and and so uh, all of that has happened with these texts, and so we have to either say. We can't take it literally, and I'm monopolizing. I'll, I'll, I'll get off of it in a second. But we can't take it literally. We have to read it as a book of wisdom. Like, how do we see God within it, rather than saying, "Well, there were no men, there were there were no women in the New Testament, so we don't let them speak in our churches," because Paul said that, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this isn't like God's word isn't a weapon, right? Something to build your case on. Yeah. You know. Well, here's a good example. Emily and I are. Um, trying to remodel a house and there's things that I want to do and there's things that she wants to do and well we're not seeing eye to eye on some of them <laughs> and so you think you know back to you know when they were putting some of these things together and I'm sure just like there are we're all around the table here married and um, the conversations I've had with all of you um, maybe y'all are different and you see eye to eye with your spouse perfectly on every single topic ever, right? And everybody's rolling their eyes at me. Um, you know, for the first scripture, it was like, well, you know what? Let's just make this easy on ourselves, and we're just going to tell ladies, hey, um, you just, we're going to interpret this scripture as, this is what Paul quiet. said, you need to be quiet, and that's the, yeah, you know, instead right. of doing the work and going, wait, 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 like, what's the big picture here? It's just like, that's the way it is. I went to school to learn this. This is how it has to be, mm-hmm. you know, and well, that's sad. Doesn't it go back to context? I mean, what we learn in the next oh, chapter that the whole women be silent was related to a specific church he was speaking to because mm-hmm. there were issues in that church. Right, yep. I mean, so it wasn't even meant for right. all women. Right. And it had to do with, like, socioeconomic issues that yeah. were going on because of war. And mm-hmm. Yeah, and education issues and yes. all kinds of stuff. Like it has yeah. nothing to do with how we 
Well, when he said that about the different denominations that have issues, you know, or, or I guess doctrine that does not mm-hmm. let women um, be behind the pulpit, like that was news to me because how I was raised, I mean, I was raised in non-denominational church and I mean, the pastor's wife did seminars and preached and then when I married Josh and we were in the Assembly of God Church, I mean, it was the same way. Our pastor's wife was extremely big in the church so it wasn't until like I kind of stepped out of my comfort zone and saw you know some of these issues like with Beth Moore and all that I mean that was the Mm -hmm. first time I really even knew that that was an issue because I wasn't I wasn't raised Mm -hmm. in that denomination or there's churches familiar with it that like you know when we have votes and we elect board members and do things like that there, there are churches that don't allow the women to vote. Mm-hmm. They don't. They're not allowed to yeah. speak Some in a business meeting, and they're not allowed to even vote in the church. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, I mean, you you look at that and you say, "How do we get there?" Well, number one, we read Paul as if he's writing to us rather than for us, which I think we talked about in our last podcast. And then we say, oh, we turn to Genesis chapter 3 and we say, oh, well, God said that this is the way it has to be, which is not what God said, yeah. And that's how we get there. We take, we take, we read something literally that was not written to us, and, um, and that's a big problem. But I, wanna, I want to make us all super uncomfortable and talk about Mary. Does anyone have any thoughts about Mary? Mother Mary. Somebody go ahead. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I, I did love the the comment that one of the he was talking to one of the ladies in the church was like, Oh, it's just so Catholic. Yeah. You know, I thought that was funny. But I mean like so I mean, being a mom's tough. Like and mm-hmm. not only that are you a mom, but you're a mom to the Messiah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the anxiety. So, and she lost him. Yeah, because yeah, you guys imagine. So she lost the son of God. I love, I love that he pointed out that well, he drew these parallels from Luke chapter one, Mary's song or, or the Magnificat, um, like chapter one, Luke Luke one forty six through fifty five, and he drew parallels to that of the teaching of Jesus mm-hmm. and, and to the book of James, mm-hmm. and said these themes that are in her song ring all throughout the ministry of Jesus and the and the book of James. So interesting. And the what's funny is when you take all the books of the New Testament. The Gospels, specifically Luke and Mark, um, and probably Matthew, but less so John, but specifically the the Gospels and the book of James, they are works-focused, how we're ministering to other people. When you take the rest of them, you look at them, they're grace-focused, what God is doing for us. And, and yada. But, but when you look at these... Uh, what Jesus taught and what James taught, he's saying that we have a, they, they're both saying we have a responsibility to, to act a certain way as followers of, of Jesus. And it rings so true in her song um, there in Luke chapter one. Um, and that was, that was a cool thing that I've, I've never really put together. Yeah. yeah. Talking about the orphans and taking mm-hmm. care of the Just widows. The yes. Yeah. And that if you had lost one, one parent, like if you only had one parent, you were considered an orphan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they would have been yeah. Can you? That's just crazy to think about. Yeah. That means there's a lot of orphans around here today. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, by, by these things. That we mm-hmm. should be taking care of. Yep. 
I just thought that that was so interesting. You know, we really don't think about the influence that she had on Jesus, but... Because she's not spoken right. about in that context. Right. But she was teaching him. She was teaching she him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. 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 I mean... Yeah. Um, and so that does put us then on how much emphasis you put on Mary mm-hmm. for right. Christianity. Yep. You know? Yep. No, and there's a reason. There really is a reason why she is a, kind of a, a, such an important figure in church tradition, church history. And that's, that's, that's why. But um, these other stories... Are really good. Not encouraging anybody who's who's listening to go to go back and to go read them. Um, I will. I love yeah, you. Will. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the Priscilla as a teacher, but the one that stood out to me the most in the New Testament one was Phoebe, um, deacon and benefactor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll let y'all start though. What what were y'all's thoughts on Phoebe? So she was actually the one that I was most familiar with. That's funny because I, I don't have anything. Really? <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, yeah. So um, well, the money aspect of it was yeah, that was weird. I'm going to look more into that because that that was interesting. So he didn't even really say what her contribution was. Did, did he like quote something about? So uh, in the book of in the book of Romans in Romans 16, I, it, it says, "I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church." Um, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need for you, for she has been a benefactor of many people, including me. And what a lot of people take that to mean is that she was the one sent reading the letter. Yes. Yes. Okay. That yeah. was interesting. He didn't... When he says the word benefactor, that's what that's stood out okay. as in as in she's kind of financially supporting gotcha. the church as well. Uh, there's been a lot of research into it. But so what what's funny what's interesting about phoebe is it's just an aside she's mentioned one time in romans 16 she's never mentioned again which is which is a lot of these stories which is why we aren't so familiar with them but when he says that she performed these letters that was really what it meant that is yeah because i mean the women in that day weren't Mm -hmm. educated right yeah right so so this is a an extremely educated and extremely wealthy woman who was divorced, widowed, we really don't know, but probably single is what he's saying. But when he says perform, so that means that he's sending this letter with her, entrusting her to get his message to these churches in Rome. Was it in our last podcast Mm -hmm. or something else that I read that talked about he would have spent yes. hours with them, that. We person. talked about that. I don't remember. Did we that. talk about it? I don't think it was in a podcast. Maybe it was just another but, conversation. But, they, but he would have, you know, you know, when you're reading this letter, put emphasis on this. You yeah. Know, and well, he may have even said, you know, when you read this part, look up at, you know, Don't see this. Well, so, 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 yeah. you know, whoever. Yeah. Yeah, but. Yeah, but what what Dad is saying, it really was this performance. Like he's like he would have written in there when you say this part, speed up. Yeah. Uh, when you say this part, speak loudly, speak softly, and so it really was. It it was such a trust that he's placing on her to portray his message, and then he he talks about um, them asking questions. Yeah, them asking questions. Yes. Like she, like if we think the Book of Romans is confusing right now, like she's having to portray this to people. 
deal with. Yeah, and, and so, then answer questions that they right. Have. Yeah, and so she's in, she's entrusted. <laughs> he said a woman to do that. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And wow. so the fact that you have to do this, right? The fact that he 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 chose her. I mean, he had other options. Like exactly. he for sure had other options. Um, the fact that he chose her to do that shows how much trust he placed in her. And he wasn't thinking, oh, women need to be silent. And she church. obviously was well respected. Yep. Well, and the churches right. had to receive her. Yeah. Yes. I thought that right. was interesting. They had to trust that what Paul was saying would receive them. Yeah. So over and over and over and over and over, you, you see this theme of God wants this oneness, sin wrecks it, and Christ is trying to, to you know, put it all back together. Yeah. And at the end of chapter 16, page 236, it says... To tie these four women into the story of the Bible, each of these women exhibits the the oneness theme that begins in creation, is threatened by the fall, and begins to become more and more a reality in Christ. And I was like, man, that's so good. Well, then in the next sentence, he's like, so why does Paul speak of silencing women? And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, why does he? Well, we'll get into that in our next next part. A little teaser there. I went ahead and read 17 because I was like, tell me more about that. (laughs) I got yeah, I got through it. You'll but anyways, yeah, it's uh, it's just one of those deals. I think it's the beginning of this chapter where he's got one of his students. Yeah, um, she comes into class and she's like, "I'm so upset." Yeah. He's like, "Why?" He's like, "I've never heard any of these stories." And you think about like all mm-hmm. the precious moments, Bibles and stories. Like, there's not a, you know, about Jonah and the well. Well, Jonah was just a crybaby and didn't want to do what God mm-hmm. called him to do. Like Phoebe's out here answering questions mm-hmm. from people on the fly. Yeah, like, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That seems like a way better story. I mean, I guess swallowed and by fish. You know, but. was it Miriam? Yeah. That that one just is blowing. I know. She was a military head power. Oh no, right? that's Deborah. That's oh, was Deborah. it Deborah? Deborah, yeah. Was Deborah the yeah. one that drove the tent stake through the guy's yes. head? Yes. Oh, no, it talks about that. Does it? Does it? Does yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. Uh, through his temple. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I just... Nailed it. So, I, I think... <laughs> I think that what, what we can get from this is that when we say that women are to be submissive, that women are to be less than, that women are to be, especially within the church, silent in the church, we, we, we are looking over all the different stories in the Bible where... The, the, the scriptures speak to the opposite of that. And so what's funny and it, well, what's discouraging, I guess, is that none of us know these stories. And because they're not preached on, they're not taught, um, we overlook them. And uh, a little bit, to not to say anything bad about the Holy Scriptures, but a little bit, the, the cultures that these scriptures were written in, they were not going to emphasize women. And so we have to read that and understand that but just with that culture, they weren't going to. And so when they do, we have to look into that. It's a big deal yeah. because if it actually got here. Right. Well, and one thing that I thought was interesting is it says there's no indication that women could teach and lead only if they were connected to a man who was also a leader. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, there are a lot of the stories and mm-hmm. just even in my background, you know, the pastor and then, well, she might speak on a Sunday or, she, right. you know, or like one service. And now, I mean, you've got Beth Moore who, or mm. just any of these women that are, you know, out there preaching the gospel, yeah. and their husbands aren't involved, you know, aren't involved in ministry yeah. at all. And I, I just think that's really interesting. Yeah. Well, we have some uh, great women just on our district, or even from this church, Gretchen. I think about Gretchen. Mm-hmm. Um, she does great work as a pastor every single week. 
Nicole Cotton used to be on our district. Now she's in Illinois. I mean, we Think have about some, Sarah Scott. Yeah, Sarah Scott. Seventy something years yep. old. Yeah. Didn't, didn't even go into ministry until she was like in her seventies. Yeah. yeah. And, and she phenomenal. And and ministry. Sarah, so she Sarah's in Jonesboro First Church. For anybody that doesn't know her. And at one point in time, she was actually pastoring two churches on our district. Wow. Yeah, because there was a congregation that was just really needing a pastor. And so she would go preach at Jonesboro first one week, and I think it was Marion. And she would, uh, like, right after that, drive to Marion and Yo, preach man, another sermon. Let me tell you a cool story about Marion. Yeah. So there's a 72-year-old woman that is now preaching at Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Well, African American woman, really? and it's an all white church. Really, which is oh, that's cool. interesting. Yeah. yeah, I'll be curious to see how that. Yeah. what how that church. And I'm I'm does. blinking, and I know where, and I can picture her. But who's who's up at Clinton? What's her name? Oh, Sherry Bright. Sherry Bright. Yes, I she was on that Sherry. train that flipped at Silver Dollar City. Oh, really? She was wow. On. Yeah. I didn't wow. know that. Yeah. So women okay. in ministry. Yeah. Well, well I'm, I'm just saying this is something that's local to us. Like we have some on just on our district. We well, have some and that's, really good. You know, that's one, that's what I appreciate about the Church of the Nazarene. And like we said, we all come from different backgrounds. My background was very, very conservative Baptist. I mean, we didn't even clap our hands in church. And you know, to to see that the Church of the Nazarene has encouraged this since its inception. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It just, I, I think, speaks a lot to the founders of this denomination. Yeah. Well, and Hunter talked about that in your podcast with the Nicole, maybe? Yeah. And about how um, Dr. Sundberg, yes, is yeah. that right? Yep. That she was, when she was ordained, it was... Yeah. You know, yeah. Only so, other women. well, that was the only cool that was story. the first time that That's ever happened. Uh, yeah. it, it, it had oh, ever that happened so that cool. a woman general superintendent ordained yeah. only yeah. women. In so I think yeah, for percentage. people who aren't familiar, you can go listen to my podcast. I'll link it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think it was 2017. Is that right? 2017 or 2018? I don't know. Um, at our district assembly, Dr. Carla Sunberg, who's a general superintendent, or uh, or we have an ordination service every year. And I was 2019. And in 2019, in Rogers, uh, she was our general superintendent. She ordained a class of only women on our district. Um, it was Penny McCauley, Nicole Cotton, and... Um, Debbie Lutz. Debbie Lutz, yeah. And so it was just super cool to see. That was the only time that that's ever happened in the history of our denomination. And it was a really, really special moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Well, so any final thoughts? Or should we wrap it up? All right. Well, uh, we have three chapters left, and it's a little—I think it's thirty pages—and so we're just gonna wrap it up. We're gonna do these next three chapters next week, um, and Dan's already got to jump on one. Um, well, I want because in the past he'll always like say, "Yeah," like it's like he's gonna make this big stance, and then he just like, "Well, what do you think?" and doesn't take a stand mm -hmm. on anything. And so I was like, "Well, does he take a stand?" And he kind of uh, just—he's point more towards why Paul said what he said. Yeah. You know, like Amanda was saying earlier, like, what's the context? Mm. Um, and it's it, it's good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, so it's right at 30 pages, those three chapters. So we will finish this book up um, next week. And so we'll see you on the final episode, episode 9 of Staff Chat next week.